four Midwest Guys presents The Night's Watch, a Game of Thrones podcast. Night gathers and now my watch begins. I am the sword in the darkness. I am the watcher on the walls. I am the shield that guards the realm of men. We watch, we listen, and we remember. The past is already written, the ink is dry. I thought he was the man to lead us through the long night. And I was wrong. I'll show them what Lannisters are. What we do to our enemies. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink, and I know things. I believe men of talent have a part to play in the war to come. I will never serve them. You could help another client go steps and take that seat. I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. They have no idea what's going to happen. The wheel war is between the living and the dead. And make no mistake, the dead are coming. Hello everybody and welcome back to 4 Midwest Guys Presents The Night's Watch, a Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, today we'll be ep- uh, reviewing episode 3, The Queen's Justice, and here to help me do that is my brother Aaron. Yeah, how's it going, man? How's it going, dude? Yeah, I'm alright. Good, good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so uh, things finally, would you say the pendulum has started to swing the other way, perhaps ever so slightly? What, um, in terms yeah, of uh, military power, power, yeah, after watching this one? It's it has its moments, yeah. It's it's hard yeah. to say where it's gonna go further on though. Like Yeah, it does definitely seem like they kinda of pulled one over on Daenerys's army, but yeah. at the same time hmm. that could you have three dragons on your side and could change really quickly. It could. But it we could. saw that a little bit in the last episode too towards the end with uh Yuan Greyjoy like capturing the uh one ships. Yeah, he set them on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that in just a few minutes. But let's uh, start at the beginning of the episode. Uh, John arrives at Dragonstone, um, and this was the very first scene. And all I first, all you see is a boat and uh, the beach. And I actually thought that it was going to be Theon. Oh, like him like, coming yeah, back like, and reporting everything. Yeah, and... just kind of reporting back. Yeah. But no, no, it surprised me, and it's 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 sure enough, it's John. So uh, mm. wow, does he move fast? <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess apparently, like, uh, he, uh, they really did just kind of go around the main land. Mainland. He's got yeah, some... it, it only seemed like it took him a day or two. Yeah. He... I mean, it could have been longer, but that's the time frame it kind of It kind of makes like. it feel like it. I wish they would, you know, had him say, well, I was very, I'm sure your trip was long. They kept saying that. Yeah. But I would like to have heard him say how long it was. Yeah, like to have a sense of time for it. Yeah, something. But... I don't know. Maybe I'm too much of a map person, hmm. you know. Well, I mean, Westeros doesn't seem like a completely giant landmass, but it is definitely, it would takes a while to walk through it anyway. Well, yeah, especially with the big climate difference going on right now between the north and the south. The hmm. south isn't quite in winter yet, and the north is definitely in winter. And, yeah, but I mean, know. it could be, you know, like how you look at Ukraine and there's like some ports that are actually pretty accessible and... Yeah. Comparison I, to the rest of Russia. I, so. I guess. You know, it's kind of like the United States. Florida hardly ever gets snow, and North mm. Dakota gets nothing but snow, but I, I don't know. Yeah. And that's really not that far when you think about it, but mm. um, but yeah. So yeah, uh, it's John shows up, and who's there to greet him but other than good old Tyrion? Which kind of makes sense. Not only right. is he the hand of the queen, he's also sent he, the letter and is 
actually familiar with John, so and he knows him. And yeah, I love how they they say, "Well, the last time I saw you was on the wall," and John gets him. Well, the last time I saw you, you were pissing off the wall. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fun little throwback. Yeah, a little bit of a and also friendly it's still in his character. It's still something you could see Tyrion doing. Oh, absolutely, and you definitely could see. You know, it's kind of nice to see John use his sense of humor. It's yeah. been a while. You know, he's pretty. Yeah, he's stoic well, most of the time. Yeah, well, he's not really in a situation where he can be completely lighthearted too often. <laughs> right, exactly. It's not been one of those sort of shows. Yeah. So other than Tyrion, though, the rest of the crew, the Greetsome, isn't real... I won't say they're they're friendly, but they're not well, I overly mean, friendly. It's very... Um, what's the word I would use? They have to surrender their weapons to yeah. them, and... Right off the bat, and then it's it's um, I don't know it it seems very business like because yeah. even Sir Dallas well, I mean, is trying to make small talk. Yeah, Melisandre yeah. was just kind of like okay, yeah, I, I, we don't need to talk I, about homeland thing. Where I came but from. I mean, in her defense, that's probably a complicated sort of thing with her anyway. So true, true. Um, but yeah, Davos was. <laughs> Did not get the best reception he was looking for, I guess. Right, exactly. It was, he's like, this place has changed. Yeah. <laughs> so, Which you would expect. I, I mean, shot it's down been pretty abandoned quickly. for years. Well, he's been, you know, he gets shot down pretty quick, you know. He, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know nice. if that was a flirty thing as much as just making conversation. conversation. Like, he's been on a boat for a couple of days. He might just be bored. <laughs> Either way, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of funny. Oh yeah, it, it's an amusing setup, but it really does set the tone for how Daenerys is viewing them coming and like um, how she expects them to react and deal with the situation. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that that I I, that I got from the scene that a few things was um, how Tyrion tells him, "Well, if I was your, you know, John's like, I don't know why I'm here," and Tyrion's kind of like, "Well, if I was your hand, I'd probably would have told you not to come either." Yeah, you he, he mentioned that a few times. Yeah. Like, Throughout the episodes, like, yeah, it's uh, it's a poor choice in a lot of ways. I can see why they advised you not to do it. And he kind of reminds him, you know, Stark stole fair so well traveling south. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's not yeah, a that, red flag statement at all. No, not even a little bit. Um, and then, of course, the other big part of the scene is John finally gets to see all three dragons. Yeah. Which he just kind of freaks out about. Yeah, which is kind of funny because this is also a character that's actually seen like the White Walkers and goes on about like how people should don't believe him and like they would he understands they view him as like a bit of a madman, but Mm -hmm. at the same time it's still like oh shit those things are gigantic and it is kind of cool too because they not only does he get buzzed by one kind of pretty close yeah Yeah, and then you see all three up on the top of the castle it is kind of pretty cool looking oh yeah it definitely is Um, but yeah so. Uh, but moving on to the next scene is uh, this is Varys and Melisandre on the cliff there. Um, it's pretty much a kind of a back and forth, I guess. Um, Varys is pretty much right off the bat just kind of taunting her. You mean you don't want to see John? Why yeah. don't you want to see John? And blah, blah, blah. You know. Did you not leave on the best of terms? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just picking on her constantly. Yeah, he does. He does not like magicians or the red. Well, just yeah, sort of class thing. Somebody cough my balls and junk, I guess, and throw them into a fire. I wouldn't be too happy either. Yeah, yeah, you'd be a little hesitant about getting <laughs> yeah, along. With I can him, see I where he's holding a grudge, just maybe ever so slightly. Yeah, um, but she goes on and says, "Well, I've done my part. I've brought fire and ice together." Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to hear a 
person inside the world of Game of Thrones refer to them as fire and ice because we all know Game of Thrones' first book is the Song of Fire and Ice. Yeah. So kind of an interesting. Yeah, I think throw. just from a writing standpoint, it's like it's one of those things where like you kind of some writers really like throwing in the name of the title mm-hmm. into the storyline somewhere for shits and giggles. It's kind of an Easter. It's not really an Easter egg because you don't have to look for it, but it's a nice little nugget, I guess. You yeah. know, just to, for the for know. the book fans, maybe. Yeah. And, like don't wrong, I think it's really well done here, but in lots of other cases, it can be really poorly done. Yeah, like it just comes across as super cheesy in other contexts. Like if you go out of your way to do it, but yeah, in yeah. this case, it makes sense. Like I, there's a couple action movies that are pretty bad. About it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, for her though, it kind of fits because she's been very cryptic. And, yeah, you know, yeah, pretty much the thing. entire scene in dialogue with Varys gets kind of cryptic, especially towards the end where. He's talking about like, oh, don't probably shouldn't come back to Westeros. You probably won't be well liked here. And he's like, well, I'll probably only come back to die. And that's yeah. true for both of us. Yeah, she, she's like, well, I'll be back one more time to die in this land. And just like you, Varys, yeah. you know, or you as well, Varys. It's just yeah. like, it's the very few times you see Varys just very uncomfortable. Yeah. You you see him taken aback and like, kind of like, he doesn't know how to react how to, to that react statement. To and that's the end of that scene. But one thing I forgot and you know, I kind of skipped over is during that scene, she goes her time because Varys is like, you know, don't you want to whisper in the king's ear? She's like, my time of whispering in the king's ear is over. Mm-hmm. And the interesting line that, that that comes back from Varys is common folk get, you know, get a taste for power like us, get a taste for power is like a lion getting a taste for humans, you know. Mm. You, you you constantly you're always going to crave it yeah yeah after the fact so come back to that is just like we haven't been common folks in many years it's not yeah. bad my question though if after that line though is and i'd forgotten about this because I, I think it was season four where varus and littlefinger having a conversation and both are talking about sitting on the iron throne mm. from different points of view yeah. obviously and different ways of going about to do it so I've kind of forgotten about that, and I wonder if Varys has some other play than other than the good of the people, if you know what I mean. Does oh. he have his own aspirations? Oh, is he like actually attempting to go to the Iron Throne through, through like a coup? No, probably not. You don't think so? No, I think if you look at both Varys and Littlefinger, they both look at themselves more as kingmakers than kings. Mm. And I think from their point of view, that's a more powerful position to be in in many cases. Yeah, because I mean, you look at Varys, and he's as we go back to the last episode, he's gone through a couple of kings, and he's still been in you know the top bits of power for the kingdom up until recently. Yeah, but and that's true for Littlefinger as well. Oh yeah, very much so. It's just I just wonder if even though he seems to be the good guy, mm. the good, the good uh, servant, Kinda. the good advisor, the ultimate good advisor in a way, but. I mean, it just makes he's me not wonder. as creepy as Littlefinger is. No, 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 he's not. But it just, it, it kind of caught me off guard. It kind of reminded me. I'm like, hmm, maybe you do have your own aspirations. Well, yeah, he, he definitely has aspirations. But I think he's actually very honest about them in the last episode when he's talking to Daenerys about, you know, if you don't, you know, treat the people right, then yeah, I probably will be very open about trying to overthrow you. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the other... The other thing I liked about this scene was she actually admits that she made terrible mistakes. Yeah. Granted, she needs to burn for those terrible mistakes because she burned that little girl, but still. Yeah. 
Yeah, that um, was a that was a rough episode. A little fucked up, just a little. Oh, the, but Game of Thrones has a lot of fucked up scenes. I feel like they're trying to make us like her again for whatever reason, and I like don't having wanna, a redeeming quality. Yeah, sort and I of don't want to do it. I yeah. so don't want to do it. You know, and even though she's responsible for bringing John and and Danny together, it just, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's one of those things like history is full of like bad people that do good things and vice versa. Yeah. You know, there's lots of people that are, you know, a bit of a mixed bag, and that's kind of just how to view the character, I think. I guess. I, it, it, like I said, I just I really do not want to like her. <laughs> it's like them uh, trying to, like, redeem, like, yeah. Joffrey Baratheon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's no redeeming that little asshole. He, yeah. I still don't think he died violently enough. Uh, it, that That's how I felt about him. Yeah. Ramsey, I got my bloodthirst for it. Yeah, perfect ending. That little bastard got off easy. He, well, I mean, they could still try to redeem, it. like you know, Yuan Greyjoy. I mean, definitely they can't do it with Ramsay Bolton anymore. But no, Ramsay was good. That yeah. was a good ending to that bastard. <laughs> but the other guy, that Joffrey kid, yeah, he had a couple minutes of pain for yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, but yeah. I mean, you actually have a scene in this episode where. I know. We'll get to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll, 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 you want to yeah. wait for that I one? I want to wait for that one. Because that's a damn good yes, fucking scene. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, okay, so finally we get to the meeting of fire and ice. Um, right off the bat, it's kind of funny. They walk into the throne room, which is huge, really. Yeah. We've seen it before, but this is kind of the first time we see it from uh, maybe John's perspective. Yeah, well, that and you also have Daenerys actually sitting on the throne, and it right. kind of provides an interesting contrast to the size of the rest of the throne. Yeah, yeah. Because very... you look how small she is on the throne, you're like, oh, shit, I was not aware that was an entire fucking wall yeah, built into that throne. It really is. They said it was built to be uh, intimidating, and it definitely is. Yeah. Because you know, it's just, just like, wow. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so right off the bat, they start naming off all her titles, the Breaker of Chains, the Mother of Dragons, blah, mm. blah, you know, just keeps going, and this is Jon Snow. Oh, He's yeah. He's King of the North. I love how Jon even has to kind of look <laughs> at him like, I think you're supposed to do a thing, guy. <laughs> and, of course, it was just a funny scene. It was just like, she's all these oh, yeah. things, and... Yeah, he's just king of the north. Yeah, yeah. I feel like da- I'm really glad they kept Davos around and he didn't get killed off because he's, nah, he's he's a fun little humorous character, even though he's kind of a serious character as well. He, he's very human, you know. Yeah, and they, he just seems like yeah. a very common dude down the earth. Yeah. yeah, he's your link to yourself, maybe in the yeah in this whole world. Um, and then we get into the whole king versus lord thing. She's very she. I'm just going to say it. I was ahead at the end of the scene as a note, but she's very stubborn. He is too, but she's very insistent on, no, you're a Lord of the North, not a King. And I demand that you bend the knee to me. Yeah. Like your family pledged loyalty to me. And there's a lot of kind of back and forth and like viewing argument from different perspectives. perspectives. And actually it's a really well written scene in that regard. And we also get a little history. I didn't know this, but apparently Ned's dad his grand John's grandfather mm. uh, was burned by, by the Mad King. By the Mad King, they, they mentioned it a few episodes. I ago. did not catch on to that until this mm. episode, which I was like, "Oh, oh, yeah." There's another reason for them to hate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's also it plays into that kind of back and forth. Is like she's like your family pledged loyal to my loyalty to mine for generations. Like your dad killed my grandfather and burnt him alive. I'm pretty sure that negates her contract. <laughs> yeah, <I> think- <laughs> she's like. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Although I will give her credit, she asked for forgiveness. Mm. You know, because she says, "Yes, my father was an evil man." Yeah, and, and she does ask for forgiveness, but well, she it, still insists that he bends the knee. Well, even it's after funny because she asks for forgiveness, and his response is more or less, or the reasoning is like, "Well, you shouldn't be, you know, held to the sins of your parent." But at the same time, like John comes back with, "Well, I shouldn't be obliged to the obligation of my ancestors either." Right, exactly. It, and it's like and she's like, "Well, why are you here?" I'm like, "I need your help." And you need mine. Mm. And then he goes into the whole White Walker scene, and she's just like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, it's just, it's a left field sort of thing. Just like, wait, we were talking about overthrowing the queen in the capital, and now I have to deal with ice zombies. Really? Yeah, it's like, what? Are you, you know, are you crazy? It's like, she's just looking around. Did why didn't no one tell me there was ice zombies? I was not aware this was a thing. No one prepped me for dealing with ice zombies. I even like how she turns to Terry and she's like, "And you like this guy?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, it's something along the lines, and and you trust him? Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, although he does give her a little bit of credit, he goes, "Well, you are better than Cersei because it's obvious you haven't attacked the King's Landing, even though you could have." And yeah, like thousands. he actually goes through like the logic to it, and like actually sees why she he doesn't right. right. So, yeah, and he's like, the dead are the enemy. And yeah. that's his that's the end of his argument, pretty much. And she's like, well, I was born to rule the Seven Kingdoms. I, you know, and he's like, well, you're going to rule over a graveyard. Then, yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's a very good scene, and I liked it. It was just like I wanted to smack the both of them, though, you know, because they're being so damn stubborn with each other. Yeah, but at you the know? same time, like, they're both staying by the principles. And, like, they even ask him, like, well, if you want her help, just bend your knee it'll be easy and he's like no i have to stand by the people that brought me here and i have to do what's in their best interest right and like there's actually it's not even like a pride thing on his part it really is just his concept of like honor and responsibility that's really holding him to that position right he's like we got to kill the dead first uh, you know and, yeah you know this is priority one we're squabbling amongst ourselves while these guys are marching towards oh yeah us. he pretty much is like we're all playing kids playing a game while the real enemy comes towards us. And then you have her like, first, you don't recognize me by my titles, which are numerous. And now you're comparing me to a child. That's when she turns to Tyrion. Like, you yeah. like this guy. You trust this guy. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of really good lines in the singular scene. Oh yeah. It's actually really well done. And I even like how she she just keeps it up. She goes, well, just so you know, declaring yourself king in the north makes you an open rebellion mm. to my crown, you know, yeah. to my claim to the throne. So it was just interesting. And then... Yeah, then they're interrupted with right. news that their fleet has been, you know, destroyed more or less. And I love even the last line between the two. And he's like, am I your prisoner? Not, Not yet. yet. Yeah. <laughs> but so, I mean, there was a very subtle, like, well... All right, you guys must be tired from your journey. How about we get you a room? Yeah, they, honestly, they needed a break because they're about to go to war. Yeah, with I mean, each there's something right there. The scene's actually really nice because the tension never really drops throughout the scene, even though like you change from like perspective and like the argument changes and shifts. And actually, there is some moderate amount of compromise in it, but the tension to it never goes down. No, in fact, it's building all the way up until. Varys comes in, I have grave news. You know, mm. it's actually everybody needed a breather yeah. right then and there. And it's, I was glad he did. Yeah. Because I was like, shit, they're going to go at it, you know? Yeah. Too. And the funny thing is, like, it doesn't really help her situation because you just hear her listen to, like, the little dude talking to her. And you're just like, 
does not seem particularly happy about losing her fleet and just her entire plans being fucked over. Yeah, pretty much. It's not a good day for her, to be no, honest. No, it is not. Not even a little bit. All right. So from meeting of fire of ice to pulling the wuss, I mean, Theo from the sea. Um, <laughs> it's pretty quick scene. It's just I tried to save her. And they're like, nah, you wouldn't be alive if you tried, you dumbass. We know what we know better. And yeah, pretty much. Like, if you tried, he would have killed you. Yeah, we know. We know we, how he works. We know how you are. We know what happened. You mm. know, you worthless piece of shit. And they just leave him cold, laying on the yeah, the, it's, the boat. Which, it, it's interesting to see because even though like his sister was kind of large and in charge of the like the entire fleet, like he himself does not actually have a lot of respect within it. No, and it's pretty obvious, too. And it's just, honestly, he deserved far worse than what he got when they yeah. pulled him out. I'm surprised they didn't just, you know, right there. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I'm part of me thinks maybe they'll still try to be somewhat redeeming with the character. And it's the only reason he's left alive is he's got to have some sort of redeeming moment at the end of this thing. Not necessarily, but like, it seems like from a not normal story arc, that is where you would go with that. I kind of feel like he's Gollum, like, when they say Gollum still has a role to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's going to do something in the last second of the last moment. Yeah. That's the only thing I can see. Like, don't worry, like in one of the previous seasons, you have him like help Sansa escape the castle with the Boltons. So that kind of was a redeeming thing to an extent. You clearly see him trying to make an effort. And then just in that moment of panic, it kind of all just went right back. Cause he's always, he's always in, like even at the beginning of the whole series, he's being trained as he's being raised as a Stark. Mm. You know, right from the get go. Oh yeah, really, that's why you see his betrayal as being such, such a dick move, right? So that that's why I want to think he's more of a Gollum. They're either going to go one or two ways with him. He either goes the Gollum route and he does one last heroic thing at the end mm. to save everybody, even if it's for his own selfish reasons, or they use him as a he's like a. A snitch or something. Yeah. You know, that's the only two things. Like, you just see the character get progressively worse worse. off throughout the seasons. Yeah, like, and it just deteriorates from there, you know. I hope that's not the way they go with it, but we'll see. I mean, that's a bit of a, it's always sunny sort of ending to the character, isn't it? (sighs) Yeah, and maybe that's the way I look at life or try to look at the the glass half full, but. No, I mean, essentially that's what they did with, um, what was it? The one priest and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like the oh. character just forgets progressively worse off in life as the show goes on. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's gonna be a Breaking Bad kind of thing. Yeah, but we'll see. Um, maybe they do go that route with him. That, like I said, they can go one or two ways. He's got that last redeeming quality at the end, or he's, yeah, he's yeah. just gonna spiral out mm. of control. So, and part of me is, even much as I despise him at the moment. Part of me is always pulling for the guy because he's been through such bullshit, mm. you know, horseshit. You oh, know. Yeah. And at the same time, I mean, like, yeah, is it totally a cowardly thing to just jump on the ship and save your own life? Yeah, but it's clearly like a pretty much like just a PTSD thing that just kicked in for him. And like you get tortured and mutilated. Right. That's reasonable thing to happen. to. A I get it. I just don't want to give him the excuse, I guess. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't wrong. I know we don't use those sort of like terminology like in fantasy settings. No, but like but, they're clearly very developed characters, and that's understandable yeah. that it would be a thing. Yeah, and even the creator said that you know, in the like little after scene of episode two, that you know they want to show that yeah, he's this isn't gone. Mm. This isn't something that disappears overnight. Yeah, you know? and I mean that's so. that's fair actually. Yeah. 
So we'll see. See what happens. Hope for the best and prepare for the worst. That's how it is in Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right. Uh, next scene. Euron's victory parade slash the gift presented to Cersei. Um, I kind of like the scene. I'm beginning to like Euron, even though he's a complete asshole. And yeah, he's, definitely he's a charismatic asshole. Yeah, he's, um, he's more than bombastic, but honest during the whole scene. But yeah, he kind of has a right to be, really. Mm. He's captured the Sand Snakes to give as a gift. Yeah, and you see him kind of just strutting through Main Street, just yeah. peacocking. He's like, hey, look at them, cheering for a Greyjoy. Who would have thought? You yeah. Know, you know, all this. And- oh, yeah, like, and it's... It's funny to see his dynamic play with Jamie because it clearly is a character that just loves pissing him off. He does. He really does. And it's going to be funny to watch the, that develop, develop over time. Because it's probably going to be a thing Jamie's going to want to kill him at one point, right? Oh, he already wants to kill him. It's just a matter of when he's going to get his opportunity yeah. at this point. Um, it, it's actually interesting how many times we have like women just being paraded down like King's Landing while people throw shit. And shout whore in the background. Yeah. Because there's like one part of that where the sand snakes are going down where some dude like yells whore like three times. And I'm just like, that was probably improv. That dude was just like, I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm the guy that yells whore. That's me. Um, But yeah, it, it you know, he was just very bombastic. I even liked how he was, he brought back up uh, uh, Theon. Did you see Theon's face? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's just—he's just in his moment. Oh, oh yeah, he—he so. he clearly likes fucking with people. Oh yeah, like as much as he can. Yep. And that's coming from a dude who already rips out people's tongues for his crew, and like, he's already a bit of a dick just in a general sense. Oh sure, but I mean, he has conquered his sister completely. She's in chains, being drugged behind him essentially, and he's yeah. still rubbing it in her face the whole time. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like so. he's just fucking with his niece the entire time and oh, this... yeah. but yeah you're, you're right though about the horror thing this is definitely this season's walk of shame so far yeah you know? I, it's just it's weird how often we've seen that happen in king's landing when it's meant to be like the you know more like main major city and it's meant to be more educated and things like that but it's just like it's weird just to see that happen as often as it does in the show i know i kind of missed the nun though i missed the ringing of the bell and the shame yeah well, I mean, shame. shame. It's just funny. I don't know. I enjoy that a, a lot. A lot of those characters kind of got uh, killed, and I, I don't know if she's around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think the the mountain took took everything from her. Um. Anyway, like I don't know, like if that was a character they kept alive, like they do with uh, the, the Sand Snake Lady. If she's alive, yeah, boy, yeah. I, yeah, I if she's alive, it's not a pleasant thing. No, not no. a little bit. We'll get to the Sand Snake Lady in a minute. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, he walks, he gets to walk in the throne room on his horse. Yeah. Gallivant right in front of everybody, clapping for him. And yeah. he hands the Sand Snakes over to her and, you know, and, Justice for the your murdered daughter Marcella. Yeah, you know, and she obviously says, "Well, you're proving a true friend. You have the heart, and you'll have your heart's desire when the war is won." Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of kind of political demonstration and like parading, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of thing that's kind of pretty much just propaganda. Yeah, that you know, it's putting on a show for the people, sort of thing. Well, it was funny because I think Euron was expecting. To probably get her right off the bat. And she goes, oh, yeah, you'll get your heart's desire once the war's won. Yeah. 
So yeah, there's probably a bit of disappointment with that, but yeah. at the same time, he seems like he likes killing people, so it's yeah. not like he's going to be totally against it. Not totally against it. And then, of course, she she kind of goes with Euron leading our fleet, basically calling him an admiral. Yeah, and Jamie leading our our troops, our army. general. Yeah, you know, you we'll, essentially have navy versus army. <laughs> yeah, you got your, we have our navy and our army. We'll you know we'll win the day. Blah blah. Yeah. blah. You know, it's our big moment, political moment. The, um, I yeah. love the bits where he's actually talking to Jamie. He's like, oh, we need to talk later. You know, <laughs> brother to brother. <laughs> Have some advice. Does she like it gentle or rough? Yeah. <laughs> just like anything he can, just like piss him off as much as possible. You sure, just to get that, that outrage yeah. look from him. Like, I'm going to pull out my sword now, but he can't. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like he knows like in that public setting, like he can't really say that much. Right. And it's already kind of a complicated issue because legitimate, the Lannisters do need allies. Oh yeah. And he's made the pitch for that. Oh yeah. He's definitely made himself a very valuable ally. Yeah. So far for them. I mean, no doubt about it. He's, and we see more of that. We'll get to that. Um, all right. So one of my, Scenes that I liked, even though Cersei's a mean, cold bitch, I love what I like to call the return to Don Cersean. From it's like the Godfather all over again, man. Oh, I, really? I this love, that entire dialogue. I love, I loved the whole thing with the Sept. That was very Godfather like mm. last year, and then yeah, this this was incredibly. Uh, her revenge on the Sand Snakes is very much uh, like the Godfather. All yeah. the way down to the kiss of death. Yeah. You know. Though uh, it's more literal in this case, but. More literal, but still. I mean, there's a very good reason to why it is that way in the scene, though. Sure, yeah. Because she's using, they found out what, uh, the same poison, I think they called it the long goodbye. Yeah. That they used on Marcelo. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, just, just, man, wow. I don't know. Honestly, I was amazed they went with the poison route. I thought they were going to just, like, here's the mountain. He's going to chop off her fucking head in front of you. At first, but I like how she went through all that, though. She's like, well, I thought about maybe having the yeah. mountain squash no, it, your head like a duck's egg. It is interesting. It goes through the whole, she can't sleep at night. And that's what she does when she can't sleep. But she just goes just through, through, like, the, how she would most want to torture the people that's done her wrong. And she did a really good job. Because not only did she give uh, the Sand Snake's daughter the kiss of death, literally the same poison that they used on Marcella, mm. but she's like... How long is this going to take, Maester? Oh, I don't know. It depends on the Constitution. Hours, days, weeks. Mm -hmm. She goes, well, make sure that the torches are well lit because I want her to watch her not only die. But watch her decay. Decay and rot right in front of your eyes. And we're going to keep you alive. If you try to starve yourself, we're going to force food down your throat just so Mm. you can stay alive and watch her her whole face cave in over time. Yeah. It's like, fuck. Yeah, and it's talking about like, oh, this clearly could have been your favorite and how pretty she is. And like, right. you can watch her pretty face just wither away. A perfect Dorn beauty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just plays it up really well. It just, it's like, wow. Mm. Yeah, it's a classic Cersei. Like I said, Don Cerceon is what I like to call yeah. it. I don't know. And then like after you see her leave, you actually see them like try to actually go near each other. What yeah. I assume is to actually spread the poison to like her mother. Yeah. And it's just... Like maybe six, seven six inches apart. Yeah, they can't touch each other. Yeah, all they can do is watch. You know, and they're gagged. They can't talk to each other. They yeah. can't comfort each other. All they can do is watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's you know, it's a very thought through way of how to get revenge, and it's yeah, it's you know, 
And it's, it's up there in terms of psychological torture. Oh, it's it's all psychological. It well, it's physical, obviously, because she's gonna die. But it's yeah, it's all. Well, yeah, but like she's using the daughter that's gonna die to torture the mother, essentially. Yeah. And you get revenge on her. You know, it's 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 poetic. It's I don't know how much. It's it's not cool, but it's definitely you know re, it's revenge at its most pure form. Yeah, you know. So yeah, it's very. I'd like to call her the Don. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I yeah, great, great stuff there. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a well done scene once again. But I think the other thing to point out is if anybody wanted to know the state of Cersei's mind up mm. to this point, this is a perfect example oh, yeah. of where she's at right now. Kind of. Like, how... once you go to like the previous episode where she's talking about she doesn't, you know, she'll have wants to kill off her enemies and like make sure that she's still like in charge. And mm-hmm. now with her dialogue of not sleeping at night and staying up awake, just fantasizing about how to best kill people, and it's like, yeah, she probably doesn't sleep at at all. No. Like maybe an hour or two a night at this point, if that, if that, you know. So like clearly, like the grief and like suffering she's gone through just with losing all her kids has kind of warped her in some way, it's... and that's. Yeah. understandable it's to under- a certain extent it's understandable to a certain and i kind of get it but it's it's like she takes that that whole moment and and in that, that that getting revenge she uses it and she suddenly feels powerful again and then obviously goes and fucks her brother again mm. you know it's that whole you know it's this psychopathic yeah. mindset that yeah you know, that i mean that was clearly on. if you uh if you look at the scene with her brother following that it's it was quite invigorating for her, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Because like, you don't really see her be that aggressive sexually up until this point. No, she's gotten what she wants. She feels the, yeah. the and adrenaline like, from that. And, yeah, and you know. not only that, but even the next day, she's not particularly hiding it or no. anything. Like She's actually open with the servants right. about it. The monster is, is out and is loose. You know, yeah, essentially yeah. at this point, it's just like, fuck it, I'm in charge. Who cares? Right, exactly. You know, so... Um, the yeah. funny thing apparently like, the actual actress that's the servant with the short hair has actually been in like cersei's servant through like the entire series oh really i didn't yeah, realize like the that. hair style changed a bit but it is actually and the uniform too which was the same yeah. as hers which i like, thought it's was very emulating of cersei right yeah yeah but apparently that has uh been one of her servants that's been in i think he's since one or two yeah i, I didn't realize a that. very long-term servant actually that's, that's interesting that she's making other people emulate her closest people emulate her I don't know if she's making them or if that's a stylistic choice of hers admiring Cersei or how uh, that works out. Maybe a little bit of both, but yeah. still, yeah. I could see her making them do it, though, in yeah. the current state of mind she's in. Mm. yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's the only time you really see another female servant throughout the episode. And yeah. it's just an interesting little bit. That is an interesting. I didn't realize that. Huh. Um, so next scene is Cersei and the Iron Bank. Um, this is interesting because she's the, I guess the the bank starts off by saying how sorry they are about her son hmm. but they're incredibly pleased that they got rid of that she destroyed the radical faith even though she's still denying it as an accident a terrible accident but come on well I you think know? that's how they worded it right so it's it just wasn't the thing you didn't have to go into the details of it sort of thing exactly but, but yeah like he they all seem it was a subtext of it like yeah we know and we're Good job. Nice job. You know, that's, it's good for business. This yeah. is, this guy's all about best for business, right? Yeah. This whole scene is about best for business. Yeah. There's, 
it, it's funny because he's talking about like you owe us considerable debt, and it's like, oh, so are you going to bet on the lady that destroyed your slave trade? Yeah, is that, exactly. Is that how finances are going to work well for you? Yeah, how much but, did you lose on that, by the way? Because that's her counter. Because he at first he goes out and goes, well, we're we're worried about basically he's saying we're worried about all this at us, and yet you're in another costly war, mm. and that's when she's like, well, I wonder what side you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna bet yeah you're gonna go with you're gonna go with like, the one well, that we don't really bet we we make sound investments it, it's intelligent betting right so who are you gonna invest in me or the one that destroyed your slave trade how's that slave trade going yeah yeah how yeah. do you how do you think you know things are gonna go well if she's in charge exactly and even goes back to the door thing and kind mm-hmm. of that whole savage people thing yep. that's propaganda she's been using so who are you gonna buy so are you gonna invest in me lannister who always pays her debts or are you going to a radical yeah how profitable is that yeah and it's actually interesting because you actually have him talking about wow you really are your, do- your, your father's, father's daughter. daughter and she really is here this is this is totally oh yeah tywin yeah very much so um and then of course her her last line just she's like stay a fork night AKA two weeks and you'll get your debt. Just stay. Yeah. It'll be paid in full. Of course we know what that is, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that mm. <laughs> and how she's going to do that. Um, all right. Next scene, the duel, what I like to call the duel brooding at Dragonstone. Um, so both John and Tyrion on the cliff, both mm. pretty pissed off for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I've come here to brood, but you seem to be better at it. Yeah. Me. In fact, it's making it's me uncomfortable. Again, you have Tyrion, just having being a very charming dude and just being very amusing character to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And Tyrion's like, well, I'm, I'm brooding because I didn't foresee the, the Greyjoy attack and you're brooding because you feel like you're a prisoner. You feel like he's a prisoner here. You know? And he's not entirely right. wrong. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, well, you're free. He's Tyrion's like, well, you're free to the room, the, the island, and the castle. And he's I mean, like, come on. I have a war to prepare. I don't want to <laughs> hang out on this rock. <laughs> and then Tyrion does admit, though, that he does believe him about the White Walkers. Yeah. Because Mormont saw it. Yeah. And ever, another person saw it. He's like, well, yeah, of course I do. Yeah. You know? I think he has a really good line about trusting, like, a honest man's eyes sort of thing. Yeah. An honest man's eyes and... And then he goes, he, he points out further. He's like, well, the reason why people don't believe you is people's minds aren't made for problems so large. Yeah. He's like, it's even, I think he goes on to say something like it's, it's actually more pleasant to think about my sister. Yeah. Than to think about something like that. Yeah. He, he's like, well, what am I supposed to do? I, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like the way you paraphrase that made that sound a little bit more perverted than it is in the context of the show. Yes, yes. But, like, he, he's talking about, like, how it. monstrous his sister, sister is. is. Not yes. necessarily... This. Not in a sexual way, yeah. no. But, yeah. So, it's... it's. But he's pointing out to him what he's up against, right? Mm. He also points out that, you know, hey, Danny's, Danny's not so bad. You know, she protects people from monsters. Even yeah. Though, like my sister. He, he's actually kind of putting in a good word, making an argument for her, like, actually ruling the kingdom sort of thing. Yeah. And then, at the end, he's like, well, what can I do for you? What yeah. can I do? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a really good scene where it was actually kind of talking about, not necessarily compromise, but just like, all right, if you don't want to form a complete alliance for us, there might be things that I can still do to help. Something reasonable. What can I do? What do you want? Yeah. What's something I can help you with now? And that, of course, moves into the next scene with (laughs) Tyrion and Danny, which persuades Danny, which I think is kind of funny because he's 
he's trying to make himself sound something he said sound like wisdom. Yeah. And she even catches on to it though and calls him out on it. And he's like, I only do that with other people. I would never do that with you. Of yeah. course not. Of course not. But essentially she convinces him to give him the dragon glass. She's like, well, he actually yeah. has a pretty good argument for it. It's like, yeah, it means nothing for you. Right. Give away nothing for something. For something. At, at worst, you're giving away something worthless. Yeah. You, you know. Yeah. So why not? So. And then the other other thing I want to point out in this scene that I thought was interesting is she remembers when they first met, Davos talking about him taking a knife in the heart for his people. Yeah. She's like, did you catch on to that? Do you know what that means? Yeah. Terry's like, well, you must allow the North to have flight of fancy. I yeah, mean, they it's are very cold. It's cold and damp and dreary. And yeah, blah blah blah. But, Leave them to their hyperbole. Right, but yeah, that would be something though that would probably push her over the edge because okay, so you're, let me get this straight. There's dead people coming. You rose from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody. Melissa. How did you come back from the dead? Yeah. The Red Priestess brought you back? Wait, is she still here? here? Where did she go? <laughs> Can we have that as a backup plan? <laughs> so, yeah. All like, right. Because if you know you have someone that can bring someone back from the dead, as a ruler, that seems like a pretty good person to have hanging around. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right? You know? Yeah, just in case. You like, know? if you're playing in any game, having a party that has... The ability to cast revive seems like a good plan. <laughs> so that leads into the next scene, which I like to call fire and ice informal meeting, or maybe fire and ice melting, cooling off, whatever. Um, it's just a nice scene. Just it, instead of it being a more formal meeting, this is just Danny and John, Danny and John, just kind of just one on one looking off from the cliff into the yeah. distance. And um, even she admits, she goes, well, you know, Dragons were were said to be gone, but now they're here. They're she here still now. seems pretty, you know. She's trying. Yeah, but it doesn't really seem like she believes him. She's just like, I'm trying to meet you halfway because you don't seem like a complete asshole like in a, terms of a, a leader for your kingdom. You don't seem like a crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's what she's trying to say. She's like, you know, they're gone, but maybe we should re-examine what we think. And, yeah. And, you know, no change in the, you know, there's no real change in that whole kingdom stance. That's still. Well, exists, I mean, but you do have a bit of change in that she actually is not only saying she's going to help allow him to mine for Dragonglass, but is actually mm-hmm. going to help give him resources to do it. Right. So, so that is actually a bit more of a compromising position than you would have expected. Right. Because it's not just like, hey, if you want to bring your people down here and do it, fine. But it's no, it's like, fine, we have extra people just hanging around. Right. We'll let them help you mine. I'll give you the resources you need. And the only other thing at the end of the scene is he's like, He's just like, so do you believe me about the White Walkers then? And she goes, you better get to work, Jon Snow. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice little throwback to you know nothing, Jon Snow, almost. In a really? Way. I just assumed that was a nice little just fading away from the question sort of thing. It, like, it was, but it, it to me, it took me back. It was that whole tone. It was that whole you know nothing, Jon Snow. You know, that big line yeah. that I made a big deal about. So I don't know. I don't think that's yeah. going to be catch on to the same extent. Probably not. Yeah. But nevertheless. So... All right, next scene, we're up in uh, Winterfell. Sansa takes control of Winterfell, maybe slash the north here. Um, basically, she's just kind of giving out orders. Uh, she gives out orders on preparations. She's Yeah, uh, but they all seem like pretty competent orders, and she actually seems like she's doing very well on just kind of the management of it. Yeah, day-to-day Because she's operation. making an argument for, like, building up grain silos, because if, like, the actual... If they have to come to Winterfell, they don't have enough food. Yeah. 
Um, you actually have adding leather to armors because when the cold comes, you need fucking extra insulation. Right. Just a lot of really practical shit, actually. And she's telling people, she's like, Maester, can you get on the grain? Mm. Then she sees that the armor has no leather for winter. Like, she delegating responsibilities very well. So she puts the general, the veil on that. And he's like, yep. He goes right there. He's like, why is there no leather on this? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. So, you know, it, it's, yeah, she's doing a halfway decent job, yeah. I think, here. And, of course, Littlefinger takes sees the sees his way in and says creates an opportunity sure he goes well you know command suit seems to suit you very well yeah blah 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 and then he points out how how reminds her that cersei is still dangerous yeah and she's like well you mean the one that killed my brother my father and yeah yeah it's like (laughs) motherfucker i know she's dangerous but thanks for your advice yeah the little finger does have this really nice line about like fighting all possible battles in your mind in your mind yeah so you like never have an unexpected thing come towards you and it's it's a really nice little dialogue it's interesting yeah because it's insight into how he thinks because he goes picture everyone is your friend picture everyone is your foe and if you do that then you'll have no surprises yeah fight those battles out in your mind all the time Mm. and that's really interesting because that's that really describes oh, exactly how he works. Oh, exactly. It is yeah. the definition of like his entire process going forward. And mm-hmm. it's really fascinating. And that might make it maybe somewhat more reasonable where you see him kind of switch back and forth where you don't really know where his allegiance where plays he with. comes from. Where he's coming because from in his him. mind, it's always a back and forth. It's always weighing the odds and like knowing where you're going to come out on it. And that's it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. It's interesting. I I, I I was just like, oh, okay. It, to me, it, like, it it's was, a very... That's how, I, I that's don't him. know if I would necessarily call it like Machiavellian, but it's it's close to it. It's pretty close because it's a, it's a weird way to live, right? You're, you can never be calm. You can never be at peace if you're yeah. constantly looking at, thinking everybody's against you and everybody's at for At the you. same time, like you can make yeah. an argument that that might be a more calm way of living in some sense that... You're always prepared for everything that comes your way. Maybe you're never caught off guard, but at the same time, you can never fully be at rest. Like, you can't you know? be, like, super relaxed and, like, drunk and intoxicated and walking through the streets sort of thing. Yeah, but you can, but, never, you can never be at peace, though, either. I, I would think that would drive me. If I tried to do that, that would make me personally drive well, me crazy. That's For just some me, people, but. that might be, like, an anxiety-ridden sort of thing. But for other people, that actually might be, like, a almost stoic sort of meditation thing where that's actually a very calming prepping for life sort of thing i don't know you know hoping for the best but still preparing for the worst i guess i i don't know uh to me that i don't know that's the opposite like, you never see little finger particularly flustered like throughout the no, entire he's, series he, not really he's pretty much always on point yeah it's true like so but there's a price to pay for that, I would like, think. Don't get me wrong. You don't see him being like super jolly and joking, but you never see him irritated or agitated. It was just calm and collected. He's he's calm, he's collected, but he's always creepy. And I think that, that you know... I honestly didn't find him super creepy until like the last season or two. Really? Like in the first couple of seasons, I it was a little odd, and, but I thought he was an interesting character. And it's really just... His relationship with like Sansa, I think, super creepy. Even down to his two front teeth. When I look at him, I just see rat. That's exactly what really? I see. Yeah, I've always have. That's just how I see him. Oh, okay. Even in his appearance to his teeth, to the way he ate, yeah. yeah, just rat. That's that's exactly what I see. <laughs> okay. So, I don't know. Um, okay, next scene kind of leads into the next scene. Brandon finally comes home back to Winterfell. Um, 
very emotional, very unemotional from Bran's point. Yeah, you yeah. actually see Bran kind of being far more distant with everything. Yeah, he's very, um, I don't know if the word, I don't, not stoic, but, well, yeah, maybe. He's just like aloof. Yeah, he's, it's like he's there, but he's not there. He's like, which he kind of is. Like, it clearly yeah. does seem like he's existing in multiple places at once, sort of thing. Right. And they have a conversation. She's like, you know, you're the rightful, pure, but. Born son, the only one left of Ned's. Yeah, you he, technically should be Lord, Lord of Winterfell. Winterfell. He's like, no, no I can't I, do that. I can't be the Lord of Winterfell. I can't be the Lord of anything, he even says. Yeah. Because I'm the Three-Eyed Raven. He's accepted that as his destiny. And yeah. That's, his, that's who he is now. But it also gets into the weird concept of how that works. Because then the conversation is like, well, who, how did you learn all this Let from the Three-Eyed Raven? I thought you were the Three-Eyed Raven. It's complicated. It's complicated. And then he turns kind of creepy even because he describes Sansa's rape. He's like, oh, you were so beautiful in your dress, and I'm so sorry for what happened. And yeah. It was snowing that day, and it was just like, whoa, dude. Yeah. You know? Like, just, whoa, okay, yeah. yeah. It was just really, really creepy. Oh, yeah, and she's clearly freaked out and just like, oh, he can... He did. He should know that. Okay. I mean, it definitely shows his power and that he he can do it's that. Interesting to her, though, because like, why pick that of all things? You yeah, know? like, yeah, it, it's a weird thing to bring up, but I guess maybe to prove a point, sort of thing. But I don't know. I was just like, oh, dude, why would you do that to your own sister? You know, yeah. why would you bring up something that horrific? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But I, I guess it'd be a memorable thing to bring up if you want to prove your point. But like, it's weird seeing like. Sansa go from being so in charge and so just like kind of startled and thrown back from that. Cause it seems like if you have someone that's omnipotent on your team, that's a really good like thing to take advantage of. Yeah. I think she's just coming to terms with it though. It's going to be, yeah. you know, she, it's her little brother and yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. It comes back a mate, you know, a, a, an Oracle essentially. Yeah. You know, so yeah. It just seems like something you could really utilize. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, he, he says, I need to talk to John. So yeah. he knows something, mm. and he needs to talk to John about it. What that is, we don't know yet. But, yeah. you know. Well, I, I'd assume it has a lot to do with the White, White Walkers. Walkers. Yeah, I that's do really where his story arc's been through. Right, and I'm pretty sure that's what it is, too. But still, you know, so... Um, next, uh, we're, we're taking back to old town and back to, uh, Jorah. And, uh, this is basically the arch maester declares Jorah healed. Um, yeah. looks like, uh, Sam was successful in his, uh, procedure there. Yep. The, uh, the cut, cut and ointment procedure worked fine. Yeah. The cut and ointment. Who knew? Just peel off the bad skin and throw some shit on there. A little neosporin. And, uh, it's weird that know. works though. If it like affects the nervous system later on though, right? Yeah. So you would think at his advanced like, is it something where it actually has to get to, like, cover all the skin before it starts seeking more? maybe it has to get more? to his head to get to his brain, maybe? Because or the other people column, are completely maybe? covered in it. Yeah. So, I don't know. But, yeah, apparently, yeah, you pick the scab off and you put some kind of medieval neosporin on and, uh, yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh, and take the pus out. Yeah. Nasty. Well, I mean, that um, kind of came with the top layer of skin, so. Yeah, but he was actually, they showed a thing of him digging it out, too. It was like, ugh. Yeah. And they went to the soup, too. Oh, God, I still can't eat soup to this day. Um, But, yeah, so. Were, were you a big soup person before? Not terribly, but I really do like potato soup, and I really look like potato soup. But yeah. anyway, um, Joro uh, will return to Danny. He owes his life to her and to Sam, he says. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, a, that's, he's been a. 
I mean, if we're talking about someone that's also a little creepy in his obsessiveness, Jor is also kind of in that category a little bit. Oh, yeah. He's like, and then the Archbishop's like, I need to see you. And he's like, what do you think will happen with that? Well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> someone got sent to the principal's office. And the Archbishop scolds him, but... Actually, like I, I think he's more impressed of, impressed because he goes, other Archmaesters have tried this. They have many healing things on their chains, Yeah, which is interesting because I never realized that that was kind of like a, a medal or whatever. Like, like the, it's actually a sign of their years or, or like their abilities. All their procedures they'd done yeah. or something. But anyway, uh, yeah, that with many of these healing links on, their, on them mm. and, and they failed. Yeah. How, how did you do it? I read the book, followed the instructions, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it's a good line. You start seeing it going around as like a meme occasionally. Yeah. How are be... you so good at IT? Oh, I just read the book and read the book. follow the instructions. I plugged it in. Right. <laughs> um. Turn it off. Turn it back on. Yeah. Uh. But yeah. Uh. He gets punished. He has to transcribe all these old scrolls. And I got to be honest, I actually don't think that's punishment. I don't think so either. Like, that's actually an upgrade from what he was doing, from, like, cleaning toilets and shit. Not only that. Also that, there's very specific books on that table. Like, they're all very old, very specific, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't suggest that they're just random. Precisely. And the fact that they are so old tells me that I think this is what... This is the maester actually showing Sam what he's been looking for all along. Yeah. That this is the stuff on the White Walkers. Yeah, pretty much like, I can't necessarily give you complete access to it because that goes against our rules, Rules. but I can give you a job to do. Give you a job to do, and if it just so happens to be the White Walker stuff, eh, okay. You know, that's what I think is going to happen. We'll see. Yeah, or at the very least, I think it's definitely allowing... It's a teaching moment. It's an upgrade, like actually transitioning him to mm-hmm. more of a maester role he was hoping for. Precisely. So we'll see. We'll have to see how that theory holds. But I think, yeah, I agree with you. I yeah. think it's definitely on the White Walkers. So, all right. Uh, next scene is the Siege of Casterly Rock. Um, so it's interesting because Tyrion is kind of ends up giving us kind of a play by play of what would happen. Yeah, well, he's kind of describing like how it's going to go down, and they more or less use a montage thing in the background. Yeah, and at first they're like, "Yeah, Casterlac was built to be impregnable, and yeah, they will most likely die if they try it the normal way." And they show them dying. Well, he's also saying, "Yeah, we're going to lose a lot of dudes here. Yeah, like that's that's going to happen. We're going to lose a lot of dudes if we try to do it the normal way, Mm. because they show them basically all dying Mm. at first, and then he's like, but." Since my dad made me, you know, lord of the sewers. Um, yeah, but it's actually funny how he describes that as like, yeah. he thought that was beneath him. So he gave it to someone of less stature. Yep. Me. And somebody pointed it out on Facebook and then I went back and they're right. He does mention this all the way back in season two. Yeah. That he was in charge of the sewers at Casterly Rock, apparently. Well, yeah. And he also yeah. explains why he put in like a passage there as well. Well, yeah. Well, you know, I kept some whores around and uh, dad didn't like that. So uh, yeah. why not? Yeah. Like, and it, it kind of fits with the character so well. It's like, yeah, I, I used to party a lot and yeah. I needed a way in and out of my room. I really like to drink and fuck. And, uh, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it works with the character. It works for how it, everything went down, and yeah. The only thing I did find weird is like, I don't see why you wouldn't use dragons to help take Casterly Rock. Yeah, I'm with you on that one because that seems like that's a really good advantage to have in that scenario. 
And honestly, even if you burn down Casterly Lock, it's a symbol more so than it is a needed fortress. Right. So it would just show that you've you're destroyed the heart of the Lannisters. Lannisters. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I thought I had that same thought actually too when I was watching. I was like, why you have this ma- weapon of mass destruction? Yeah. It's like, just a wrong. castle. If you don't want to take down King's it. Landing, that's a giant place. That's fine. Yeah, there's a lot of people there, but and there's Castle innocent Lock people. More or less, just seems like a military base. It's a military base, and it's full of your enemies. Yeah, why not use the weapon of mass destruction there? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, yeah, I was right. I'm right there with you. I don't understand it either. Although I did think it was the way it all went down, and how they showed the twist that you know. They left the castle for them to take. Yeah, that was good. And how Euron came in and burned their ships and stuff. I think it was interesting to have that contrast because you have this Tyrion that has this master plan in his head showing you how they're going to get this great victory. And in return, it shows how it wrong led to a he giant is. defeat. Yeah. But it's interesting because it also goes back to uh, Jamie talking about more or less copying movements from like rob yeah yeah. which is in the next scene we're gonna talk about but yeah with the queen of so i mean it's interesting because you see jamie kind of learning from mistakes and then adapting that to the next battle right so like it's one of those things like that might have been successful had jamie not gone through the previous wars with the north it's true um and that's probably where he got the idea i'm guessing Mm. because they found out they were coming obviously yeah and then that's probably what happened. Well, yeah, it's but, interesting because like it even goes into like, well, for us, it's a fun place we grew up for, but it's nothing really spectacular anymore. It's right. nothing crucial. And if we burn down the ships, they have to, they leave. can't keep the place. We, we didn't leave enough food. supplies. We looked, we took the food. So eventually they're going to have to walk across Westeros. And when they do, we'll just kill them. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Um, but that whole scene with Castle Rock, though, it, it bags that whole scene in the last episode with the Queen of Thorns, and she's like, don't listen to clever men. Yeah. You know, I think that was, like, big. That's the whole thing to take from that whole scene with Casterly Rock. Oh, yeah. It was like, he's clever, but clever men sometimes fail as well. Right. You have to trust your own instincts on these things. And so that's where that whole, you know, that's. Mm. I think that was the whole point. That, yeah. That whole scene is to drive that point home. Because mm. I think next episode, I think Danny. It's going to be unleashed. Well, the funny thing but... is, like, if they actually have a way of killing the dragons and she goes straight towards King's Landing, it's kind of a trap in its own way, too, though. Yes. It is kind of yes. both. There's traps both ways. Right. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But well, let's talk about the best scene in the whole whole episode, in my opinion. What I like to call is the Queen of Thorns last laugh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Lannisters have decided to take Highgarden. Instead of being a Castle Rock, Jamie uses learns from his mistakes, and uh, yeah, attacks Highgarden. Yeah. They don't even show the battle. Instead, which, I, well, which is the, interesting, because they go, they just go through Jamie looking for the queen, which yeah. I, gives her. The I whole actually think scene it's kind with. of a funny little thing because they go. There's a remark she makes. How well did we do? And he's like, it's yeah, about yeah. as well to be expected. About as best to be expected. And she's like, yeah, well, we were never really were the warrior types, essentially. So it, it does kind of suggest maybe why they didn't show it, because it really does suggest it was just a one-sided slaughter. And I like how she pointed out, she goes, and now the rain will weep for our halls. And it's even more interesting, because in the background for that whole scene, they're playing the Reigns of Castamere, which is the same song they played at the Red Wedding. Yeah, well, the Reigns yeah. of Castamere is essentially a song about 
the Lannisters wiping out an entire house. Right. So whenever they wipe out an entire house or a large chunk of it, it's fitting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, and then there's it's just a really great back and forth between her and Jamie. It's interesting it, because know? even in like that defeated state, you don't see her be less proud. You don't mm-hmm. see her, you know, particularly upset about it because pretty much the people she cared about were already gone. So fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, even she's like, she's making fun of her own people who just got wiped out. She's got the whole, did we fight well? It's about as best we could be. Well, we never were very good at fighting. Yeah. Golden, I think she goes golden, uh, roses. golden roses indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes on about the whole Rob Stark thing. She goes, you know, there is something to be said about Jamie's like learning your lessons from failures. And she's like, well, you should be very wise then. Yeah. <laughs> she's still. There's also a few jokes. Well, I guess I'm, you know, done learning from my failures, aren't I? Yeah, exactly. She's just, she's making fun of herself. She's making yeah, fun she's, of Jamie. She's kind of approaching the end of a bit of a wit and just humor to yeah, it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. It's weirdly the closest thing you have to a, like a good death on this show. It's it's her swan song, literally. Yeah. So it's yeah, it, it's perfect too. Yeah, like and just the character is just staying strong and is to her roots. Like mm-hmm. there's something to be said for Gold Rose in that scenario. But she does throw out some doubt at Jamie, and maybe even so, maybe even a seed of doubt in Jamie when she goes, she concedes that her she underestimated Cersei. Yeah, it's know? like I thought she was a monster. I never expected the monster, like how monstrous she was. Yeah, she's like my only failure was my imag- my lack of imagination, yeah. and how big of a monster she oh, was. Oh, and that's such a good fucking like dialogue, yeah, isn't that, it? That, it's great. That's some of the best dialogue I've ever. And in the it, whole it's series. so true. And it's like, yeah, she's like, you got rid of the Mad King, but what will you do when that's her? Yeah, with the Mad Queen, yeah, essentially, and that's what she's become. And, you know, and she goes on, she goes, well, you must really love her and she's going to be, you know, she'll be the end of you. And yeah. he's like, you're probably right. And yeah. Then, but I mean, and, that also goes back to Jamie's character. I mean, hell, season one, episode one, the things we do for love. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, man. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so eventually she's like, well, how's it going to end? Yeah. How's this work? And she goes, he, Jamie's like, well, I talked Cersei out of. You know, having you flayed and beheaded, and, and hung on the wall, wall and yeah. hung at the cap, at the septum, blah blah blah, and she's finally like, he takes out the point, the little vial of poison, puts it in the, the wine glass, and she's like, "Will there be pain?" He's like, "No, I made sure of that." Yeah. So there again, Jamie, even though he's kind of, this is like his. his He's always got that good quality, even though he's this asshole. Yeah, but like he's, he's he's a mixed bag sort of dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he's always he's always that one side of him, and here it is again taking. Yeah, I mean it's he does what he has to do for his family and for like the side he's on, but he never seems particularly cruel about it. He's not brutal. No, yeah, which is interesting. Other than when he pushed Bran out the window, but well, yeah, but that was just. But that's protect- I can't destroy my family, and yeah, I can't let people know about this. Right, I know. But um, but, but it's not like he seemed particularly eager to it. Like he didn't. He's not like you on Greyjoy, where no. he's like just no, super like excited about it. Right, it's everything within reason, I guess. Yeah. Maybe kind of, sort of. I don't know if that's the best thing to say about him with him and his sister. But anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, so he takes out the vial. It's like, will it hurt? Nope, no pain whatsoever. She just then she just takes it and downs it as fast yeah. as she can. Then she's a bit like, oh, that's, I'm so glad you know what this is. 
like really when we murdered your son like i i didn't expect it to be that slow i never saw the poison work before. yeah i've never seen it work before so you know i i'm glad i'm not gonna die like your son gasping for air with bile and foam coming out of my mouth and yeah. my face turning purple and he just she recounts it like detailed at oh him. yeah just so detailed at him oh my god and the look on his face is just priceless I yeah mean, just you like, have that look like Damn it, shouldn't talk Cersei out of flag. You know? Yeah, she's like, what the fuck? And I honestly thought he was going to pull out a sword. And just like stab her? Yeah, yeah. and I'm surprised he didn't. Yeah. And I I, I would have. Mm. Um, and then I love the last line, and I want Cersei to know it was me. Yeah. It's like mic drop. But Boom. that actually has to be kind of an interesting you know? dynamic for him, because he actually had someone confess to something that Cersei was pinning on their younger brother. Yeah. So, Where, like, they assumed, like, it was Tyrion to the end, or at least Cersei did, and, like, right. no, now you actually have proof, proof, a flat-out conf- deathbed confession. Will she believe her brother, though? Because all she has is the word of her brother. She yeah. doesn't, you know, she wasn't there, obviously. Well, that, I mean, at this point, it's a moot point. He's already, Tyrion's already sided with Daenerys, so. Right, true. Still. But anyway, but yeah, that, Wow. Well done, well done, well done. Um, oh, yeah. And the actress that plays Tyrell just did... It, it really is her swan song, but yeah. in every um, step of the imagination. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Talk about... Just the entire scene is... This is a scene where we had Jon Snow and Daenerys like, having a back and forth sort of discussions about, you know, bending knee and, you know, mm-hmm. ancestry... And this, in some way, almost kind of steals the episode. It does. It takes so it. She steals the whole episode. It's my favorite scene. Oh, yeah. of the season so far. And, and Grant, we're only in episode three, but it's been a damn good season but it, so and far. And it's been a very good season so far. And uh, but yeah, but you talk about it's just like the ultimate mic drop. If yeah. there, there's there could be a mic drop in Game of Thrones. This is it. This is yeah. Like, yeah, I killed your kid, killed your but kid. I already broke the poison. What, what you gonna, gonna do? do now, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, wow. Oh, but at the same time, it's like her entire family went out, but sure. maybe one of the reasons she was okay with that as well. Still killed your kid. Just so you know, uh, yeah, it was me. Tell Cersei that too. I want her to bitch. know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> that is kind of very close to it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just so you know, but yeah, I, yeah. So, um, but anyway, we have uh, dissected this thing, and we are over an hour now. So uh, let's um, just real quick, uh, your uh, final grade there. Oh, definitely an A. I mean, there wasn't a weak scene no. in this episode. No, definitely not. Like it, this has been a great season, and this just kind of keeps everything rolling along, and has just been phenomenal. Yeah, there's a reason why we've been talking for an hour and over five minutes now so far is because it is so jam-packed, too. Mm. I mean, every scene is critical. Almost every line is critical. It's 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 just been an absolutely epic season, and I'm sorry that it's only seven episodes, and I'm sorry that we only have four episodes left this season, you know? At the same time, at least they've been damn good episodes, and like there hasn't been like anything I would count as filler this season. No, no other than brand showing up at the wall. And that was just plot point, but that's, that's really it. That, I'm really scraping hard really, to find that. That's not even know? filler. That's just like, Hey, he got here just as a heads up. The storyline mm. is still progressing. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely an A plus for me as well. So, um, yeah, uh, I would damn good episode. Great ending yeah. to a great episode. And, uh, I think next episode, it looks like, I think, uh, 
Danny is unleashed. Yeah. I think she's going to be the dragon. So Take some advice from an old lady. Yeah, the question is just how far does she take it? Well, yeah, you know? it's one of the things like ha- using power well is the challenging bit. Like mm-hmm. just unleashing your dragons on King's Landing and just burning it to ruins may not be the best idea. Yeah. But if you burn down Yuan's like fleet and like actually allow, you know, the kind of even the playing field and then take out like surrounding areas and kind of kill Cersei bit by bit, I think that could be a very successful strategy, especially if she's smart, yeah. yeah. Because um I would almost almost think about taking out uh what's left of the 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 fertile grand grounds that is that the Tyrells have. Yeah. Because obviously that's where she's now gonna get the money from to pay off Oh yeah. Just the bank. burn their food. Yeah. Yeah burn like, their food. Yeah. You can regrow it later. Yeah, that's that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, and maybe go after Euron's fleet too, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just I think she's. We even hear her come up to John and say, "I'm losing," and she's pissed off, really pissed off. Mm. Probably the first time we've seen her unnerved in quite a while. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just don't know how far she's going to take her weapon. The interesting thing about that is, you look at this show's history. Is traditionally when Daenerys gets upset. Shit. Motherfuckers go, go Motherfuckers down go die. down. I'm just hoping she doesn't lose some dragons because she goes to Westeros yeah. or goes to King's Landing with them. Yeah. You know? But I mean, like, the last time was the, what, giant Dothraki tent and, like, just burned the entire thing down. The, but she was cool, calm, and collected even then. Yeah. She had her plan. This time, she's going to be a wild-ass dragon about yeah. things. I, I don't know. We'll see. So... All right. Well, uh, Aaron, thanks for joining us today, man. And yeah, no problem. Break this down. And real quick, if you want to know where to find four Midwest guys, because I almost forgot to tell you, go to the uh, uh, www.number4midwestguys.com. Again, that's the number4midwestguys.com. Again, one more time, the number4midwestguys.com. All of our podcasts are there. All of our links are there. Everything's there for you to follow us, like us, and subscribe. So uh, please, please do check out the website. Uh, And this has been uh, B. Willie, and uh, we will uh, catch you next time.